0: This this, this this is this is, this is diverse, diverse, diverse diverse diversified game. Game, game, game a podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly he may agree he may oppose and it's more than just race it's about you know ideas and al focus more on
1: execution and application and less on excuses
0: so let the game begin Hey, it's Kellen. And today, you guys, I'm bringing you the game. You're gonna get some legal game, some writing game, some film game. You know, I just came from the NATPE Nappy 2020 in Miami. And this is the first gentleman that I had met. Somebody with me was saying, is that Curry's Brother, I said, no, he's an attorney, James Logan, Esq.. He is from the Bay Area, Berkeley High to San francisco um Community College Air Force. I think I saw there on Pepperdine certified, but James, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you, Kaylin.
0: man. I appreciate you and 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 it's I always say man it's it's a uh, God working through me when I'm going to these things because it's a natural thing for me. And you are the first person that I talked to. I just had come straight from the airport to get the opening remarks. And you said, okay, I work for a major entertainment company. And you guys, it's one of the biggest, one of the best known. But you also are a writer and a filmmaker. Tell us, you know, a little introduction about yourself. And I, I got more questions after that.
1: Definitely. I appreciate you. Um, so, I was born in Los Angeles. I'm actually from Compton, uh, from South Central to be exact, 91st in Normandy. And, you know, my family, my mother raised my two older brothers and myself. And at a, at a young age, we moved to Washington State. And from there, we moved to Oakland. So I, I kind of identify with Oakland, you know, as my, as where I spent my formulative years. I went to Berkeley High, as you mentioned, and, um, you know, it was really, it was really sports, playing sports growing up that kind of got me back on the right track. So I, I imagine, I remember a story that um, I can't imagine a time or life, you know, not having something, an outlet basically. And so, Um, I remember a time when I had, you know, a 1.4 GPA in high school and I had to make the decision, you know, do I want to work hard for myself now or work hard for somebody else later? So that kind of began, it was a catalyst for me to really, you know, pick myself up by my my bootstraps. And so from there, I, I decided to start playing sports. I had stopped playing basketball and football. And so I started playing football again in, in high school at Berkeley High and started running track again. And then, um, you know, I graduated and I remember my high school counselor told me, she said, don't even apply to any good schools because your grades aren't good enough. And so, you know, thinking back, you know, at an at 18-year-old me or 17-year-old me about to graduate, you know, it, it takes a lot of willpower. It takes a lot of individuality and and um, and being willing to go against the grain to, to kind of block out, you know, some of the things that I had been told. And so I applied to as many schools as I could from the fee waiver, as many schools as I could fit on my fee waiver. And I ended up going to San Jose State. So from San Jose State, I had the opportunity to pledge a great fraternity, a Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity incorporated. That was amazing. And from there, I I knew that I I took this business law class. And I knew that at that point, from that point on, I, I wanted to practice law. So that was my junior year in college. So before college, I actually had no idea what the next step was. So I'm first generation, a first generation college graduate, along with my my brothers, and so you know, we just thought I thought just going to college was good enough. And I took this business law class, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what's this this law thing? And um, you know, I didn't know any lawyers growing up, so initially, I thought that it, that couldn't be for me. That must be where all the stuffy people hang out with their suits and everything. And so it wasn't until I took this business law class that I realized that their attorneys do a lot of different things. And fast forward to today, you know, there's, I I know now, you know, what I, what I do now is working in entertainment, right? And so I had no idea that attorneys could be so creative. And so that's really what drew me to the law is, was the creative aspect. If I could take I learned in that business law class that there's an art form to practicing law, right? So I have to be persuasive in how I see things. I have to be able to convince 13 strangers, a jury of 12 or maybe six, depending on what city and state you're in, and a judge. So it's 13 strangers that, you know, they should see it the way that my client and I see it, right? And so, and and there may be, two, three, four sides to the story, depending on how many witnesses. And so really just that that was really the catalyst and what opened my eyes that, hey, there is something beyond college. And really, that's what, as a community, we should expect from ourselves. And so, you know, I applied to law school, and I didn't get into any of the schools that I applied to. And so I remember I had, I had graduated from San Jose State. And I moved to Florida for a couple months. And then while I was waiting on my, I had got waitlisted at the uh, University of San Francisco. And that's where I really wanted to go, right? So I had, as I was waiting to hear back from them, now this is May, June, around June time, I moved uh, from Florida to New York and I was living in Manhattan waiting on waiting to hear the results to see if I had gotten into law school so this was 2009 this was at the height of the recession mm. so I remember I had just graduated from college and had my I had majored in business I thought if I if I could major in something that was broad enough I could basically go anywhere so 2009 I remember I was applying for jobs in New York and, and the only thing I could find was selling shoes at a shoe store on 72nd and Lex. It's called Orville. It might still be there <laughs> in, in Manhattan, right? So there I was. I had one suit, and it was the same suit that I had worn at my brother's wedding, <laughs> you know, years before. And I, I had one pair of dress shoes. But best believe I rocked those things like no, like none others. <laughs> so, Yes. You know. So, yeah, I mean, that was really where I, I, I grinded my teeth, right? So as I was waiting for my, I, I was, I didn't hear back from USF until, until about August, actually. So, oh, wow. so yeah, they had me on, on the limb right until, you know, that semester basically started. And so I didn't get in. So I remember telling myself, you know, this is really an opportunity, right? So. So it's kind of one of my mottos now is, is with, with failure, I succeed, right? So basically I took that as an opportunity to really revamp myself, right? So here I go from, you know, barely making it in New York. I was living with my cousin and we were surviving off oatmeal and water. That was my diet. (laughs) We had just enough for oatmeal and water every now and then, you know, I had enough to maybe save up for a subway sandwich and this was back back in the time when you know I was still paying off my credit card bill. I used to buy books on my credit card and that that's how I, and I was working two jobs, you know, so while I was while I was in in school for undergrad, so you know really just humbly making my way through New York. And I remember I was in Times Square and uh, I saw this recruiting station and I said, "Hey, if uh, if I didn't make it into law school, I remember telling myself when I first moved out to New York, I said, if I don't make it into law school, I'm going to join the military and really use that as, a, as an opportunity to to revamp myself. So when I, when I heard the news in August that I didn't get into the University of San Francisco, then I, I marched myself straight down to Times Square, 42nd. And walked right into the recruiting station and told him, "Hey, I want to join the Air Force." And so that's what I did. And um, you know, it was it was in the midst of my mother and my my two older brothers, everybody telling me not to. Right. So this is in the midst of the war the war in Iraq, right? It was it was at a point where it was pretty heated. And so you know, everybody was had their own reservations. And I I remember having a conversation with my mother and I told her, you know, this is my decision. And, you know, at this point, you know, I need your support. And I think that was really when my mother, who I I love and respect very dearly, when our relationship changed, right? And became, she became more of my sounding board, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. so at that point, you know, I joined the Air Force and, um, I got to do some really cool stuff. I got to serve on Honor Guard. So Honor Guard, if you've ever watched, you know, any movie where, you know, someone passes away and, and you know, the folks fold up the flag and, and sometimes they may do a 21-gun salute, that's what I did for a little bit in Honor Guard. And I actually won an achievement medal for doing that, uh, for serving over 300 hours on Honor Guard. And I got to do a whole bunch of other cool stuff and um basically um you know I told myself that I was only going to do the military for a period of time for one tour on active duty, and then I was going to go back to school and so really, you know it's about if I could say one thing it's about sticking to your own pathway right so for me, it was holding myself accountable right there were for the first time in my life, I was making a little money, right? I, I didn't have to eat oatmeal and water anymore. You know, I could pay off some of my bills. And so, you know, that, that can be distracting. And so, you know, at at that age, I learned that money isn't everything. Right. And I wasn't making that much, right. Military members, they're known for their sacrifice, not for their salary. So, you know, even, even at that point, just at a, at that young age of when I joined, I was 22, just learning like, Hey, you know, sticking true to what I, what I set my mind to. And so I remember I was 20, I was 25. I had one more year left in the service. And, you know, we talk about planning, right? So preparation, success. My brother told me once success is preparation meets opportunity. So, I I vowed to myself that this time would be different. So this time I I started applying for law school a year early, right? I had my plan and I took the LSAT and uh, I was studying. I remember on, you know, nights and weekends, I was studying and, you know, preparing my application materials when other people were out partying. So we talk about sacrifice and those are some of the things that, that ring true, no matter what profession you're in, whether you play ball or whether you're in the profession of medicine or law, or even the profession of providing services, whether it be a makeup artist or an electrician or whatever it is that one chooses to do it's important to hold hold oneself accountable and, and work on the craft even when no one is watching right so so you know i I remember getting my application material, I had one friend. And um, she was an English major. And so this is also one thing I learned at at a young age is to really reach out to the people standing next to us, because it's often the people that stand next to us that we see at the very top of the mountain, right? So I had a friend who was an English major, and I remember asking her to read my personal statement. And she was kind enough to do that. And I I will always remember that. It's the little things that make the biggest difference. And so you know, I, I spent that year, you know, getting ready for my application. And I remember I charted out when all the applications would open up. And this time would be different, right? So so I remember I had all my applications ready for the very first day of, of applications when they would, when the school opened it up. So basically, say the school USF opened up applications on September 1st. So I remember on, you know, the day before, August 30th, August 30th, I remember at 11:59 I was waiting for the clock to strike 12 so that I could submit my application and I really think that, you know, that's I was being prepared for that opportunity, right? Even though it may have seemed like Oh, I gotta do all this work again, just being ready for that. The struggle is actually an opportunity, right? That not everyone has. So, so, you know, that was really another catalyst for me. And I remember I got in I got into school this time, and that was really a game changer. I was stay I was stationed at in Fairfield Air Force Base, in Fairfield at Travis Air Force Base, and I remember thinking to myself, like, thank you, God. Thank you for blessing me with this opportunity to finally live my dream, right? And I was I was rusty. I had been out of school for four years serving on active duty. So really, you know, I took, when I got to law school, I really treated it like a job. You know, I would, I would study. And, you know, when I was studying, I, my phone was away, right? And I remember that was back when Instagram first came out, right? <laughs> and I remember I deleted my Instagram because I knew that that would be a distraction for me. And I deleted my Facebook. So these are some of the things that I knew that I had to do, right. It's different for everybody, but it's really about setting myself up or setting oneself up to succeed. Right. And really being able to block out and, and focus. But let you know, me block out.
0: Let me interject Go real guys. quick. Because Definitely when i did my research on this interview i looked at your resume and in and, and you know on linkedin and never on a resume do we say the worst things about us i like to put every job and i noticed the things that you put on there you know you like to list but i like to do that for myself not for anybody else and you and i had so many things in common um, But, you know, I said, oh, he worked at the uh, Contra Costa County, too. I've never met another person, you know, in, in life outside of working for the county you were definitely doing something more highbrow than me, but... Not at all. Every uh, job is important. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) But but that job alone was um, something that my mother had got me to be a student worker and work in diagnostic imaging and whatnot. And I was looking at the, the similarities, but when you had talked about the one thing we would not have known about each other but there is sometimes a connection, the GPAs. Now, I've never also met another person who got a worse GPA than me. I graduated with a 1.9 at a Northgate. Wait, I graduated out of Clayton because I went to Northgate, then I went to Clayton. And my GPA was terrible. My 40 was fast, so I was able to go to college. Um, And I just, can you talk about for those, and I'm thinking about that 14-year-old, to 17 year old, and I'm gonna say male, but it could be female too, who's struggling with school, who the counselors told me the same thing. Like, but it was a mother who told me, you can go where you want, and I'm gonna make sure you get in somewhere. But how do you get the confidence, or what are you telling yourself if you can remember? Like, I got this bad GPA, it's my fault and now they're telling me I can't even go anywhere, like DVC or Laney is probably what, you know, the best options, uh, because a lot of people did not get out of that, and and we know those people who are still stuck trying to get that AA, and they're 34 right. years old, so what, what was your mindset with the terrible GPA, what did you tell yourself,
1: and how did you get into a school? Right, yeah, that's a great question, and, and for those who are not familiar with the Bay, Laney is a community college, right, so you know, I feel that a lot of s- certain communities are pushed towards community college often, right? And so uh, I actually got my associate's degree after I got my bachelor's. I got my associate's degree in the Air Force and, you know, as a part of my training, right? So it was not, to me, an associate was not an option. So it really started with holding myself accountable, right? So. At the very core, I had to really take a look at myself and what I was doing to contribute to my destiny, right? And so so everything I hoped and wished and wanted to be was just a figment of my imagination if I did not ensure that I made it happen, right? And I don't mean I, you know, in the sense of alone, right? It, it does take a team and a village. So, I don't by any means want to make light of the fact that my mother was patient with me, right, even when sometimes she didn't want to be and even though my brothers had moved out of the house you know at a young age, they're both a lot older than me, ten and twelve years older than me, you know they still would would you know check in from time to time, right so really what at that age, what I would say for Young folks who or just anyone in general who may feel defeated or who may feel like they are in less than desirable circumstances, I would say really, you know I can on, and I can only speak for myself right I can I can teach by telling my story. For me, having been in a similar situation, I would say that I had to take accountability. So the reason why I didn't listen to my college counselor was, and I actually never told my mother this story, right? I didn't tell anybody this. I It wasn't, it was not until I had graduated from law school and I was, I just happened to be walking with a friend and I just happened to share, you know, hey, and that was the first person I had told in decades, right? So really what, the reason why I didn't listen though, to get back on, on my point was, that I realized that my GPA, my 1.4 GPA was a result of my actions. It was a result of my decisions. And I was literally telling somebody this, this afternoon at lunch that once I took accountability that my GPA was a result of my own actions, I realized that conversely on the other end, if I want my GPA to be better, if I want to go, if I want the things that I want, if I want to go If I want to go, for me, it was playing ball, right? So I really wanted to play football in college, right? And I knew that if I went to a JC, that my body, so I'm thinking practically, let's say I have however many years that my body would let me play football, right? Taking, taking Taking into account potential injuries, I knew that I did not want to waste my time or my body trying to play football at a community college that may or may not even have a football team, right, so I knew that if I wanted to play ball, I needed to go to a d one school, and so that's what I did. I went to San Jose State, right, but to back up a little bit, I knew that to get to San Jose State that I had to be accountable for my own grades so and you I knew that grades. So you got a one a one point four. What did you graduate with? So that was that. That was my sophomore year. I had a one point four, mm-hmm. and I was actually fifteen when I when I made that decision, and and when I graduated. So the GPA GPA is a lot of people get confused with gpa right so gpa is important it's very important because it gets you in the door for certain opportunities and at the end of the day it also does not define you right it's it's one person's a professor a teacher's snapshot view of how they think you performed on a certain test or on a certain assignment but it doesn't define you it didn't define me so i had to make that realization that although I had a 1.4 my sophomore year that I had two more years right that was at the end of my sophomore year I had a junior and senior year to decide what I wanted to do with my life and every day was a new opportunity to make a decision to make a choice a conscious choice on whether or not I wanted to work hard for myself or work hard for someone else and Okay. And I think we all know what that means, right? Okay. So you, when f- I- you
0: flipped it. You
1: flipped in and you raised that's right. it. Because that's and, and right. what
0: I, yeah, and what I was saying, and and that's a beautiful thing, when I graduated, and that's what it was. Like I had every waiver, right? I but tell mm-hmm. me, I once you get into college and I tell all the young people this when speaking college is a whole different beast that you get to study what you want, especially the California system where you only learn that you were a slave and this and that. And you learn everything about everything, except man, Musa, except, you know, (laughs) (laughs) anything that looks like you and even Jesus. Oh my gosh. I could go deep into that, but I only have James for so long. So I'm going to pivot and I'm going to pivot into you know, you are an entertainment lawyer, and and in all full disclosure, I think that you are like my 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 younger clone, just by a few years. That I, I wanted to be a kappa until I went to Grambling. All right. I wanted to be a kappa and, and and shout yo yo until I went to Grambling, and there were some things <laughs> and some people in the cap that I just we just coming from the town, coming from the bay. Yeah. I'm just, I can't kick it with that, with you like that. It's some things I can't get down with. And they were suspended for most of my part of being there. And by the time I was the man, but I also wanted to be, and I still fathom and and think about and plan on going to law school, but people always ask me why. And I say, it's a childhood dream, but I always did Mm -hmm. terrible on uh, standardized testing. Um, I could be, dyslexic, high functioning, but I could be. But when you when you got your law degree and you start working, I want to know how did you get the job with Sony and then was it every oh shoot. That's quite all right. That's <laughs> all right. And and and, 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 and how done. yeah how did you how do you maintain Um, And was it everything you thought it was going to be? Because I think a lot of folks say, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a doctor, but they don't necessarily, you know, once you get there, it's like, this ain't all that it's cracked up to be. And I'm married to one and my brother-in-law is the other and people are like, (laughs) gosh, I don't know if this is it. So <laughs> if, you, if you could, you know, talk about that. Once you get to your goal and you're, you're doing something in entertainment law that at 13, 14, 15, people say that's what they want to do, but they can't always get there. Give us that. Is it all that it's what you imagined and how did you get the job?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, so it's really before I even get there, I I, I definitely have to I have to back up a little bit and and tell you that um that every success is just a, an opportunity to reset your sights on on what's important. It's an opportunity to set your sights on something bigger, right? So um, an example would be we had a, a, a legend recently pass away It's really oh, unfortunate yeah. Oh yeah. and to put that into perspective to put his career into perspective and I promise I'll bring it back to the point is that he didn't just aspire to be MVP right and when he won MVP you know he had to make a decision is this what i is this enough for me or do i or do i have another vision for myself right and so it's really you know to bring it back to your question is is your question was and correct me if i'm wrong is it all it's cracked up to be and to answer that i have to have to go back a little bit and say that it's the journey that makes it worth it definitely yes it's definitely worth it and i want to first take another step back and say congratulations to you for making that commitment to go back to school, right? That's that's an amazing commitment and it's never too late and better late than never, right? So congratulations to you too for for sticking with that and... and well, don't you know, congratulate I think me too
0: much because yeah. I've done the LSAT of a couple, if not a few times, and I look at the LSAT almost like the ACT that I did, again, terrible on, but in, in, in school, in college, it was just you know you put me in a rural environment where i can just focus i'm i'm mm-hmm. there and i excelled and it took my wife to say hey you're on the you know dean's list or the pres i said really because mm-hmm. I, I i never did that until i got to school and i never even cared about gpa i just knew that i passed and where i went i was able to mm-hmm. excel um, because I didn't have the distractions, I think of the Bay area and all you had was studying, but I, I even right. at the point of having, they say, Oh, you have successful businesses, whatever that means to people. It's like, I want to conquer that, but now it's almost like vanity. Cause you know what? I'm going to share this with you. All I really wanted to do was be, um, uh, John Grisham and write books and have that you know <laughs> hey I'm a lawyer wow. and I write books now <laughs> but I don't have the lawyer right. people they can call me you know doctor and this and that that's all and, right you know so that's <laughs> so but thank you it it, it could happen all right, all right. easier
1: now because right. I, I can afford awesome. it thank you thank you that's right I think it's really important to figure out what your why is right so why are you doing something and To know that you know you're not alone, right? So similar. I heard you say that standardized testing is not something, not one of your strong suits, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's common to a lot of people. Mainly because how many times have you taken an ACT growing up, or how many times have you taken a GMAT or GRE, right? And and so it was the same for me, right? So the LSAT was very challenging for me, right? And I took it a couple of times and same thing with you know graduating after I graduated graduate so when I said earlier that every achievement is an opportunity to set your sights on something the next step right it's every achievement is a step it's a stepping stone that's how it was for me right so getting into law school was just the first stepping stone then graduating right is equally yet more important so getting in is not enough. And I think that's what's what everyone who is great at what they do, whether you play ball or whether you're professional, whether you're in the service industry is expecting more of yourself. And oftentimes, especially for certain communities, expecting more than what others expect of you. And so really, you know, I always say that it's about how you finish. Nobody ever remembers how you started the race. Right. So if you think about the Olympics, you don't remember who Usain Bolt was, you know, who got the first step and the first, you know, couple meters, but everyone remembers who finishes, right? And so that's the goal, really, with law school or whatever it is that we set our minds to, whether it be sports, whether it be a trade school, whether it be uh, a certificate, it's finishing. And sometimes the grades are important, and sometimes you're taking, a, you're taking a really challenging course or you're doing something where what matters more is it's finishing. And so, you know, for me, I wasn't the best test taker. So I had to learn. I had to take time and I'll get to the point as far as is it worth it, right? But to be able to get there, I have to tell you about the ride, right? And that's what makes it worth it. It's the it's the struggle, it's the challenge to be able to fight through when I knew that I wasn't as good at taking tests as my counterparts, but I put in the time, right? So same thing, once I graduated, I took the bar, I didn't pass the bar on the first time, the California bar, right? And so, so, you know, here is, after all this work, right? It took me four years to graduate from law school. You know, normally takes people three, right? Mm -hmm. But no one ever, at this point, no one cares. It's not like no one's going to ask you how long did it take you to finish. You just finish. And whenever you finish, you finish. And so in my defense, I did do a joint program. So I did get my MBA as well. But that's just because that's what, you know, I was okay with putting in an extra year. Right. So I was willing to make my own path and it wasn't important to, to follow everyone else's path. Right. So. So taking tests, you know, I, I failed the bar the first time around. And I remember at this point, I had accepted a job. And so I was working full time in the Bay Area for a technology company. And I, at the time, was still taking courses at Pepperdine. I was getting my master's of law. So this was 2018 after I graduated. I graduated law school in 2017. So I was flying back and forth between L.A. and the Bay Area where I lived and flying to L.A. to take classes at Pepperdine. And I was studying for the bar and I was working full time. So I remember I was talking to my professor. So and this is one thing that makes it all. This is another reason why it's worth it. It's because. Being challenged in in life, right, challenges aren't just a one and done thing. Challenges will always be there. No matter how high you go, there will always be a challenge. There there will always be someone who is asking you, there will always be, if you don't ask the greatness in yourself to come out, someone else will ask it for you. And oftentimes that other person will ask it in a way that's challenging you. They'll challenge you, to make your greatness come out. If you don't challenge yourself, they'll say you can't do it or you'll fail. And then it's up to you to to just let your own greatness that you already have within you out. And so I remember I was working full time and I had got the news that I failed the bar and I, I decided, okay, I'm still gonna keep six units and and I'm still gonna work full time and I'm still gonna study. And I remember I called the Dean of Students and I remember telling her that I wanted to, I was taking a full course load at the beginning of the semester. So January 1st, 2018, I started my bar studies. And at the time I was in January 5th, the spring semester started. I was taking full load of courses. I remember talking to the dean on on February 1st that I, had, I was going to be accepting a job on February 5th and that I would like to go to school part time so that I could work full time and and continue to study for the bar. And I remember she now this is the dean of students, right? Mhm. She told me you're going to fail. Oh, wow. That was that was her way in asking the greatness to come out, right? She wanted to see my greatness. Maybe she didn't realize that that's what she was asking for. Right? but it was up to me to decide what power do i want to how do i want to receive this right and so i remember thinking (laughs) we'll see and so at that time i took she said you should be studying a minimum of 60 hours a week you want to pass the bar you need to be studying a minimum of 60 hours a week and she didn't think that i could do that and i said okay I study 80 hours a week. So I was getting up early in the morning, staying up late, and I had my routine, right? It's a small sacrifice. And I would study before work. I would study. I was taking the BART to work. So I had this uh, program called Adapter bar and I would study on the BART that would get my, my Multiple choice, my MBE questions from Adaptive Bar. While well, I was, so anytime I was sitting, I was on my phone studying Adaptive Bar, right? So, and that counts as studying, right? So, so I would, I really took a snapshot, and it's really about staying organized. I took a snapshot of my time, and I literally broke my day down into 30 minute segments sometimes 20, 10 minute segments, right? So I had had my routine and really that's where the, that's practice makes improvement, right? I heard Les Brown say that and that's really what it was. And so that's one of the reasons why it's worth it. So when you ask me, is it worth it to do this? It is because I've been enjoying the ride to get here. And I remember, I recently had I, I had an opportunity to talk to some recent high school graduates, and I was talking about the statistics, right? So, so when you think about it, the percentage, the passage rate for second-time bar takers was 23%, right? So off the top, I didn't know this at the time, right? But this is the odds that were facing me, was 23% for second time takers, and this is only including the amount of people that actually finished the test, not the amount of people that walked out after the first day. And then when we talk about uh, people of color, right, there were only 300 people of color that took the test, that administration. When we talk about people of color who are in a similar situation as I, there were only five people from ABA accredited schools who had taken the bar retaken the bar and so wow. those percentages were even lower and so those are the percentages that often face many of us and it's up to us to decide what do we do with that and i'll tell you those percentages don't mean anything they're what you make it statistics don't mean anything it's only what you make it. now so- Because I
0: promise promise you something on time and and I want to make sure I get a few questions that, again, I I always think about the 14 year old boy because at 14 I knew that I wanted to do what I'm doing, whatever credentials I had or didn't have, but you get the law degree. How do you get such a, um, a big company job? And also I do want to, you know, get into a little bit of your your nappy experience, because I saw a lot of creators there. But someone who pitches all the time, I did not see a lot of folks like prepared for the pitch. And you have the inside game on the pitch. In my mind of is course. what I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking like, whoa, you have it like you know exactly what they're looking for, but I saw creators without a sizzle, I saw creators without a, a, a script, they just had an idea. Some paid right. for the time, some snuck in to each his own. How bad do you want it? But I want to get exactly. into you know, how did you get your job? And then when you were at Nappy in Miami for 2020, um, you know, representing yourself as a writer. Um. did you get everything that you, you know, wanted to get out of it?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So my job, my current job, it, my current job was a blessing. So I had been working at a technology company before, and I knew I had been writing scripts. So I have to back up a little bit. I had been writing scripts and I knew that, and my scripts had been winning national recognition. In fact, my, one of my scripts that I co-wrote just won most outstanding program in this past November, right, for a script that I wrote last, last year. So I had been writing scripts in the Bay, and I realized that writing was my passion, right? And so I was doing and had been doing all that I could in the Bay Area, and I had been flying back and forth and so i had to make the decision i had to make the leap i could stay at this comfortable job or i could make that leap of faith and move to la and i actually i i told you know my 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 supervisor and my my team were very supportive you know i told them hey i'm i'm ready to make the move to la and they supported me in that and so i i actually you know, after we had that discussion, I literally packed up my bags that day after work, and I drove down. And I was I was here in L.A. without a job, making that. And I would not recommend that for everyone. You know, you have, you have to have a certain level of risk tolerance. And at the same time, you know, uh, I knew that God would work something out for me. And sometimes taking that leap of faith, even though though it may seem blind, you know that God is guiding you, so it's not blind, right? Mm-hmm. we just can't see it yet and so that's really what happened I, I was praying every day I still pray every day keep you know I keep my spiritual my spiritual and emotional well-being you know and my spiritual and emotional self I keep that strong and and I was contacted by a recruiter and that's you know it's really about being prepared I have my resume ready so for the young folks or any anybody who who is out there you know I, and best believe I was applying for jobs, right? I was applying for jobs with, with no luck. And what it didn't stop me. I actually set an alarm on my phone and I set an alarm to go off every day. And it said, apply for entertainment jobs. And it actually, I, I haven't turned it off yet. It still goes off at, at 8am every day. So, wow. you know, it's, I should probably change that, but it's, it's really about being consistent. Right. And so I, I was listening to Les Brown talk about you know how there's there's a yes out there somewhere you just have to find it and that's very true like it's all about finding the yes and so you know I was contacted and they say success is preparation meets opportunity so I was prepared with my resume I had I had been editing it this you know this whole time and really had to take a look and see, okay, what are my strengths? And I heard about this job at Sony, and I said, okay, how can I make my resume resonate? And so, you know, it's really about not just shooting resumes out blindly, but really adapting my resume to show that, wait a minute, I do have these skills. Let me emphasize the skills that I know I already have, right? And so it's really a mindset. This is what they're asking for, yeah, I have done that, you know, and it's really about making sure that I accentuate the skills that I already have. You accentuate the things that are already within you and that you have already been doing. Maybe it was called a different name, but it's really, it's already there. And so, and really it's about the the relationship. You know, I, 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 when, when they said, you know, let's meet at this time, I made sure I was on time. I was, if it was a teleconference, I was in a quiet place. You know, the simple things. When I when I showed up for the interview, I had I had one suit that I brought to L.A. with me and a couple of shirts that I probably should have taken to the cleaners. But that's all I had. And so, you know, I made sure that I gave my best and, and whatever I had, right? I didn't compare it. I didn't say, well, I don't have enough money to go buy a new dress shirt. I just went with what I had. And, and that's really how I got the job at Sony was being prepared for the opportunity. I got contacted by the recruiter. He said, Hey, can you, these folks up here at Sony are interested in you, you know, do you have time to talk? And, you know, I was, I was responsive. I responded the same day, right? I I didn't sit on it and wait and say, well, is this something that, you know, is this aligned with? xyz I said no I want this opportunity and really it's about seeing the bigger picture so as a writer that's right yeah
0: yeah we 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 preach that because you were you were prepared all the way and 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 it's not it's not every story is going to be the Christopher Gardner story but there are things that in a lot of stories especially if you don't come from somebody you could see somebody else doing it um, you know, the same shirts. I mean, I, I was interning on the Hill one time in DC and it was like the same suit rotation. Like every, I had a two That's suits. Right. Maybe, and it's just, you know, but you keep everything clean. You keep it fresh. Right. You know, at one point I was That's traveling right. three hours back and forth to get to the office until I got with another intern. And he's like, you can stay with me. My aunt got a big house. Wow. But she didn't run. She didn't um, believe in pesticides, so she had fleas all through that. So now I got to be like, I got to <laughs> keep my stuff prepared where I don't have fleas on it. And it was a yeah, wow. twenty-minute train ride instead of a three-hour bus and you know walk and bop in D.C. Wow. And so that's that's the hustle. And now that you're that's writing, right. and and that's the thing. And I already I see where you're going with it. All these situations, you're gathering stories while you build. And that's now right. you're ready to write and, and do filming. What did you think about the NATPE? Um, and, and and were you fully prepared for that? And, you know, any, I know you can't, we can't talk about TV that hasn't already been, you know, signed contract. And right, of course. That, that, of course. Of that's a, that's course. a no-no. But I, what did you think about it? I loved it personally, but right. I, I want to know what, what, what your thoughts were.
1: Yeah, I mean, I heard about the conference because I was listening to Byron Allen podcast. Mm-hmm. I was listening to him on the Breakfast Club. And I said, Hey, and I have to back up a little bit more to tell you how I how I even heard about Nat Natby, which was, you know, basically there were it was crumbs that, you know, I kept hearing Byron Allen talk about this conference, this Natby conference. He goes mm-hmm. every and I was just saying, Well, if he's talking about it, it might be kind of important, right? He's mentioned it in a few different interviews. And so that's how I heard about it. And, you know, I've been writing, I've, I've been writing, you know, scripts over the last year. I've probably finished about 10 pilots, right? I'm always writing. And I just finished a pilot on Friday. And so, you know, being prepared, yeah, we got that. Like the creativity is there and really the, the other side to being prepared is the iceberg. It's doing, it's, it's it's what you do when no one's looking, right? That's the bottom of the iceberg. And oftentimes people only see the tip. And so a lot of people see the tip of the iceberg. You know, they, yeah, I did meet people who, you know, were, had not written the script or, you know, they were, you know, producers, but hadn't done anything. And so that is the tip of the iceberg. And the rest of the iceberg that, that is underneath the water, that is, you know, coming prepared, right? So I have, you know, I would highly recommend, you know, taking pitch courses. And, and that's what I had, that's what I've been doing over the last year. I've been, you know, taking how to pitch course courses at UCLA. I've been taking writing courses at UCLA. I've been taking improv, comedy writing classes and and improv acting classes to help my writing and these are all the things that i do spend my my time and resources on so that i can be ready when i come to a conference that i can pitch and and really that's that is has been my experience it's been great i got to meet byron Allen and you know Was
0: that something when you got to I, when I, I i did too and i said play it cool I don't get starstruck but there's people that you respect so much and I just I just wanted to know and it was for a client not even for myself of course 100 things I could have said for myself but we've reached out we are the number one news black news channel on YouTube and he gave me the solid you know this that and I told him hey I've talked it I've emailed them I need a response though and he knew who we were, um, but it was, I, but you got to meet him with the feeling. That's right. Did you, I mean, at some point you say, and some people you're like, man, I met so-and-so. Not to take a picture. <laughs> right. But to right, re- right. make a real connection. And that's what I felt like when I talked to you. It was brief. And I knew I could have talked your ear off and I would have had all these questions. But I said, now this brother is in the zone. I can see it. He's in the zone to get what he wants to get on the throne. But when you got with, you know, to talk with
1: him, how was that meeting? Oh man, it's great. I, I would say, um, you know, something to prepare for is, you know, I would say prepare preparing, and this is to anyone listening, is to prepare for that. Oftentimes we we, we think about those who we admire And I say a part of being prepared for that opportunity is prepare preparing for when you meet that person, right? So whether it be Byron Allen or Oprah or you know Michelle Obama, I would say have that that ten second. What am I going to say to this person? Ready? Because sometimes that's all you have is ten seconds to grab their attention, or maybe even less than that. And so, you know. I had I had the opportunity and it was really great you realize that at at some point in life you you determine where you are on this playing field of life right and you can see you can see people and and you can admire them and and at the same time you know you are just as valuable your opinion my opinion mm. they're all just as valuable right and so because someone may have gained notoriety, you know, it doesn't mean that they're the only person with great ideas and and that. And so really, you know, it's really just, you know, just from a place of, of humility, he was very humble. It was great. Like, you know, it's, you feel like, you know, he's someone that is also very driven. Right. And so I think that, it's important to just soak everything in and, and never take anything personal, right? We may, we never know how much time we have with someone. And so whether it be very brief or, you know, however long it may be, I think it's important to just appreciate the time that, that we have, you know, with those who we have time with. So it, you know, it was great getting to talk to him and his team and, you know, hearing about all the cool things that, that are going on at the studios, and everybody knows about the suit that's happening right now with Comcast, and you know that's that's a whole nother topic, you know. But but I think that it was great. I had a really great experience at NAB, and I I recommend it for anyone who really wants to learn more about the industry. So I think it's important as as you know both you and I work in the industry. It's important to learn the industry very keenly to learn every aspect of it and so you know it's not it's not everyone can make the the time sacrifice of time to make it out to Miami but I highly recommend you know that um that that taking time to really learn whatever it is learn the industry of the craft of whatever craft that that one has is important so
0: and that's yeah that's great that's where I want to end this segment because that is beautifully said. You have to, and there's other conferences. I'm not even going to mention their names, but I know um, I'm looking at tickets at to go to Cannes and in different places because I am – this is something I've wanted to do for a long time. I've been uh, raising children while, you know, um, a spouse has been going through med school and residency and all that. That's but now, yeah, it is a blessing. And, and it's a blessing that, you know, I also want to bring, we, we travel as a family and we write stories about it for the, and I, I know I'm going to see you again, God willing, at these things. And I don't know sure. if, if you got this, what people kept saying. You know, when you come in with the right attitude, things just open up. When you expect, expectations, the scriptures talk about it. But they were like, you know, you should be an executive. I said, I already am at my company. But I am not opposed if the right offer (laughs) comes about because there there are things with TV that we had, Um, a streaming type service where we would stream and we would take computers and stream them like we we made our own server basically from the computer when we were rambling and we it was too hot radio too hot tv too hot magazine what we didn't have is the capital or even the knowledge of how to grab legal capital because El Chapo probably would have gave it to me but we weren't accepting Mm -hmm. all money but, right. <laughs> but TV is something like we grew up on it and they say, you watch too much TV, but we have changed in TV. And that's the part where, you know, I love to see Pluto. I love the Tubies and the Crackles because, you know, there's so many ideas that I have that I know that will work, especially for the YouTubers who've already proven their numbers and can bring their audience like DJ academics has done um, to TV But um, yeah, man, I I, I just know that there's other things because they're not seeing it, but people were open to the ideas because I'll give you a good idea today, James. You, just like you could give me a good idea, I can't do your idea like you would do your idea. It's like a hydraulic system. That person has to do that idea because that's a God-given gift. And I don't have all the ideas, but I got a team of people who are creative. So I want you guys to... Really listen to what he said from the beginning to the end. Because some folks will say, why didn't you interject more and say this? I hear the haters sometimes, James, but they still listen. Don't worry about them. Not at all. Because they are the ones that your story is going to inspire to say, oh, wait, it's not too late. And, we, in, and just like in the beginning, like you talked about the great and his daughter and the other six or seven passengers, we just lost. Um, you have to try or you die anyway. So, That's right. <laughs> it's, uh, but I, I might can, as well
1: have fun and do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you might as well, you know, learn how to fail, fall and get back up. And I know Les Brown talks about that all the time um, right. and, and still pushing. We can do this whenever James allows me the time again, because there's so much more we haven't gotten into, but I got to respect his time. I told him, I was going to use a certain amount of time. So I appreciate you, brother. And you just tell me when and it will happen. (laughs) And, you know, whatever I can do, I'm here for it, God willing.
1: I appreciate you. And thank you for your time. I really appreciate that.
0: Man, you guys have got the game. I hope you're blessed by it. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Uh, James, Logan, Esquire, please. Don't hit them up unless you want to talk official business. <laughs> unless James, you say you're a, a bachelor looking for you know
1: <laughs> the right woman, of course.
0: The right woman. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try to send them to Africa uh, somewhere and
1: say, hey, I need know, to go. Man, of we have course. three
0: trips planned, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you off, off the, off the, you know, the thing. You guys have been blessed by the game. We blessed y'all thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified game podcast with kellen tyson and am the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese bagel and lots fish and grits